This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin, and you're tuned into the show that explores the narratives of historical landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. In this episode, we're going to be exploring cemeteries and monuments in our capital city. Yep, you heard me right. Cemeteries can be a slightly taboo or weird topic of conversation for some, but once in a while it's good to reflect on these spaces that are equally important in our city. If you pay close attention to the cemeteries in our capital, you'll notice that some of them are perhaps located in the centre or the outskirts of the city centre. While that may look weird in this day and age, their placements are actually quite natural based on the communities that existed at these places once upon a time. Our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa explains. When you look at cemeteries or when you look at the way the city of KL grew, when you look at old maps, and you will find locations where cemeteries, you know, are located. Um, they would have been located at, you know, on what was the outskirts of the town area. You won't build right in the middle of town. You would always build outside or, or, or you know, lay your cemetery outside. And it would be close to or nearby where the community who lived in and around that area, they would bury their dead in and around that area as well. They don't go far away, right? You know, you're not talking about having highways and byways. You know, you you are bringing, you're carrying your dead, your beloved, your your family member who has passed away, and you don't have the kind of transportation that we have nowadays. So when you're looking at it in that way, although you will say that some cemeteries in KL look like they're in the center of the city. If you think about when they were established, they were established at a time when it wasn't the center of the city, where it was either, you know, on an outskirts, nearby, close to a religious institution, you know, a mosque, a temple, maybe. Traditionally, that's where you would have, you have your, your this is part of your rites of passage, right? You're, you, you know, you, when somebody dies, you have that set of rites and then a burial, which is part of the rites. And so what seems to be, you know, the center of the city is, historically, if you go back to when they were first established, it wouldn't have been the center of the city. It would have been close to, on the edge of, surrounding where different communities lived, you know, and interacted with. So do the authorities um, gazette? Yes, a lot of these pieces of land are recognized in local plans, in structure plan, I mean, in certainly in the local plans and special area plans as representing a historical, a part of that identity and the story of that place. And I think that that's really what is interesting about it. But, you know, people either like shy away from cemeteries because they have a taboo or they are afraid I'm not sure of what, but, you know, I mean, you know, you, you can imagine all the stories, right? Hantula, this, like that, you know, the, these are the kinds of things that, you know, there is a sense of maybe not well-being, you know, to do with cemeteries because it has something to do with grieving. I mean, you know, it's a loss. And so maybe there are stories around that grow up around things like this, but it, it reflects a particular culture. So looking at 
the way KL grew, I mean, what we see as Masjid Jami, you know, at the confluence of the river, there was a, a Muslim community from, made up of several kampong of different uh, groups of people, Malakala, you know, uh, which, because there's a Malacca street nearby, you know, Archinese, Sumatrans, and you can tell this from the kind of uh, gravestones that uh, you have. They were buried where at the confluence, and when Masjid Jamik was located, relocated there, the masjid was next to it, nearby. When the cemetery, which was next to the masjid, was then when the masjid was relocated to the site where the cemetery was, then the cemetery itself, uh, the, the graves were then disinterred, you know, and moved. And if you think then of where did the Malay kampung and the villages and the karya move to, the cemeteries would have moved along to those areas because, like I say, you know, it's not something that you, you know, bring a procession or you carry or you bury people very far away from your place of residence, mainly because you didn't have buses and trains and, you know, cars or hearses, you know, that could carry you, carry the body and the coffins over distances. And it was not necessary. So you, if you think about cemeteries as part of that, the end part of your cycle and your rite of passage, that is something that, that we look at from birth to death. And so cemeteries represent these different communities. It's kind of cool, actually. I, I like cemeteries. I know a lot of people think it's very weird that I like cemeteries, but I find them actually really very instructive, you know, looking at tombstones, looking at what they say. And you then imagine what were, you know, the names of the people who are indicated and their, the length of their, their, their lives when they were born, when they died tells you just something about the individual who is buried there. And in, in a sense, it's a respect. You know, you respect your dead. You respect your family member. You respect the member of your community by indicating that, you know. And that is a, like a physical indication of your life, I suppose, uh, that, that, you know, you, you lived, that you, this person X, Y, or Z, lived and had an impact on at least one other person because if not, they wouldn't have a tombstone. Yeah. You're right. I think people are slightly reluctant to talk about cemeteries, I guess, one way or another. But coming back to the point that you made about how back then cemeteries used to be designed to be closer to the localities, right? To juxtapose it with, I guess, life in the village, for example, where someone can be born and, you know, be buried in the same place because, uh, or rather in the same area because that has always been the thinking behind your life, right? But I think in the city, because of practical reasons, we seem to be having our cemeteries and... Um, they appear to be, right? Right now in the middle of the city, right? You know, I mean, if you think yeah. about, you know, off of the, the in Chiras, right? I mean, you know, Chiras is huge, right? And then there's this huge cemetery. Uh, you think about uh, off of um, uh, Lok Yu, you know, Jalan Lok Yu, where you have a Jalan Istana, where you have this huge Chinese cemetery, for example, or Jalan Ampang, you know, right near KLCC. 
uh, if you, you know, you're on one of the tall buildings, you look out and you will see a cemetery, you know, within literally, you look out of one of the high rises and you look down near Kampung Baru, uh, you will see a cemetery. And it's quite a large area. So, so it seems to be, gosh, in the middle of the city, but it wasn't quite in the middle of the city because the original city centre was just that much smaller, that core. Did you also look at, not just at the cemetery and the houses of worship, you know, or the communities that lived around, then you think about all the different services that supplied to provided um, services for the cemetery. So you take the Chinese cemetery, for example, where Merdeka Stadium is, as a matter of fact, you know, where VI and Merdeka Stadium and Stadium Gara, that was a cemetery, a Chinese cemetery, way before in the 1800s. So people came uh, to mine, they came to set up business or, you know, to participate in different kinds of activities in what we consider to be now is called like old KL, historic KL, Medan Pasar, Chinatown, you know, th those areas. The Chinese community who lived there, um, people came, they lived a hard life. They died from malaria or they died from other um, diseases or they died from natural causes. And they were buried on the hill. Uh, it was a rising slope, right? And they were buried there. At some point, you know, with the expectation that they would, their bones would be disinterred and sent back to their homeland, which would have been China, you know, somewhere, a village in China somewhere. And then in the 1890s, in the early 1890s, you know, a group of people, Europeans mainly, I mean, the British administration and some other people, you know, of a particular group um, decided they wanted a golf club. And this was a piece of land that was near enough, but not directly there. And that cemetery was, you know, there were old graves there. And so it was reallocated or redesignated from a cemetery into a golf club, a recreational club. And the Royal Selangor Golf Club has its origins there. And the golf course was set up in that area. And there are stories which you read about where, oh, you know, as the golfer was walking around, you know, this nine-hole golf course, and then they would hit the ball and maybe they're not such good golfers or whatever. And then up, you know, they, they hit the turf or they hit the ground and a bone or a part of a skeleton uh, emerges, you know, that kind of thing. So you get these kinds of stories which add to the richness and the character and the kind of the story and the identity of that place. But people don't remember that there was a cemetery there, you know, until about what, I think, if I'm not mistaken, around 1893, 1895. And then where VI is, you know, there's next to VI on Jalan Hang Tua, there is a, a, a new mosque um, there, that's the Al-Bukhari Mosque. And beside that, there is an old Muslim cemetery, which you find in old maps. And it's indicated there as a Muslim. So what does it tell you? It tells you that nearby there would have been a Muslim community living nearby. That's what it tells you. And while you may not see it anymore, you know where Puri Jail is, for example, 
uh, or well, what was what is the remnants of Pudu Jail, uh, or where the Pudu Jail site was, you know, was was Malay Kampung land, and so you have a cemetery which is nearby. It's still there. I believe it's still there. I I don't know for a fact because I haven't been to that mosque, but. When we were involved with um, the restoration of Stadium Merdeka and Stadium Nagara, when we were doing the whole study in the early mid 2000s, yeah, in the 2005-2010, before the mosque was built, you know, the cemetery was still there. So it's part of that legacy, you know, and part of that story, and that's really what, partly, what cemeteries tell you it tells you not just the names of the people or something. It's the sense of who made up the population, who made up the citizens of KL. That was our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa, sharing her thoughts on cemeteries and their place in the city and its residents' consciousness. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and joining me this week is our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa. And we've been talking about cemeteries that are in town. Along with cemeteries, the city also has some well-known monuments, symbolic statues for us to remember the fallen. And none is more iconic than our national monument, Tugu Negara. Well, yes, that's true. The Tugunagara, um, the the sculptural part, you know, which is you know that 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 extremely famous sculpture, right? You know, came up only in the sixties. But the cenotaph, which is the megalith, what does it look like? It looks like a you know a spindle in the sky. Do you know what I mean? It's a megalith, right? That uh, was a remembrance cenotaph that was put up, uh, established in the nineteen twenties, at a different site, and it was in memory of the war, and at that time it would have been the First World War, and it was in remembrance of the people who lost their lives and who provided for the security of the country at that point of time, you know, for that particular uh, period of strife and that period of conflict. And the cenotaph was built there and it originally was located at very near the railway station. And there is a road nearby that's called Jalan Tugu. And the whole reason why it's called Jalan Tugu is because the Tugu was there. And the Tugu was the cenotaph. And uh, in the 1960s, I think it was, when Jalan Kinabalu and all when the whole of that area near Masjid Nagara was being redeveloped, they removed the cenotaph and then moved it to its current site, which is where the Tugu is. And that's where... The, so people think about, you know, it, I mean, you look at Jalan Tugu nowadays and you say, why is it called Jalan Tugu? Because there's no Tugu there. You know, well, yeah, it's called Jalan Tugu because dulu ada Tugu there lah. And what is seen as a... Uh, what we, we know as Jalan Sultan Hishamuddin now was called Victory, Victory Street. I think it was a Victory Avenue, sorry, yeah, because it's a liberal Victory Avenue. And uh, which doesn't exist anymore. And, and for those of us who kind of like either grew up in KL or kind of know KL from, I'm showing my age, yeah. Um, when there were the Merdeka Day parades, 
that ran from the Sulaiman building, Bangunan Sulaiman, you know where the Majestic Hotel is, up toward the Padang and beyond, that was uh, the, this Jalan Tugu. You know, it started, the victory parade started where the Tugu was, or well, the Tugu was alongside it, beside it, and it was in commemoration of this. So while it's not a cemetery, it is a monument that is a remembrance of a particular period or a particular event, you know, that spanned a period of time, but just as a recognition, as an, a, a remembrance of people who, who died. But nearby, uh, where uh, near the Islamic Arts Museum, where the Pusat Islam is, there was a cemetery as well, because uh, that was a Christian cemetery. And again, you would have seen it in old maps. Uh, there's no evidence of it anymore, um, because again, the cemetery was relocated. And why was the cemetery there? There was a church nearby, and that church was relocated. You know, so as development happens and things change, sometimes, like in the case of Jalan Tugu, the road name re remains. But the, the thing that gave it, you know, the monument in this case, that gave it its name uh, has been relocated somewhere else. So you, you take part of this. So the story is a little bit fractured. Like, you know, it's like there's a tear, there's a rent in this storyline. But if you start piecing it together, then you go, oh, oh, it was called Victory Avenue. Oh, this is why, oh, we used to, you know, um, our parades this way, you know, along this route in celebration. And the cenotaph is still used as a commemorative. Uh, there is a commemorative activity that takes place then. Wreaths are laid and it is a commemorative activity that happens, you know, annually as a recognition of people who fought for the, the safety of the citizens of the country, of the people of the country. So I think that these kinds of, of monuments are also, yeah, really pretty significant uh, if you're looking at it. I, I, I think it's just, I kind of think it's a cool thing, that's all, really. Yeah. Was there any reason why they moved it to Lake Gardens specifically? Well, they were going to build this road you know, the, the, they were going to build this road and it was going to be eclipsed by the road, you know, because it was not so much that it was in the way, but it was, you're not going to be able to see it anymore. It's not, you know, when you build a cenotaph like that, it is there for a particular, you want to give it the respect it's due. You, you know, it's built for a particular reason. And when it was moved to the Lake Gardens, there's a story that I remember um, the late um, Hisham al-Bakri telling me. Um, gosh, it was maybe, you know, uh, 20 over years ago, that when Tunku Abdul Rahman uh, was looking for a site to locate Parliament House, when he was looking for a site to locate these national, you know, building national monuments, monuments that were part of the story of the country, that, you know, marker events, to mark as a memory very, very significant national events. The Lake Gardens um, and the, the area where the Tugu is now was, was seen as ideal because you have parliament nearby, you know, parliament on a hill, on a rise, looking over the Tugu is there. It's all sort of part of a, a national patriotic aspiration. And so the cenotaph was moved to that area. It was identified and the area was allocated 
and the cenotaph rebuilt, reconstructed there. Um, because if you had left it where it is, next to the railway station, everybody would now, now look at it. Actually, you wouldn't even see it, frankly, if you are heading from the railway station toward the Padang, um, the flyover would cover it. You wouldn't even see it. So by relocating it, it continued to give it the respect and the prominence that was due you know, to the re reason why it was built in the first place. And had you left it there, it would have been neglected and everybody would have said, what's it doing there and forgotten it, you know? But what remains is Jalan Tugu, which is the name of the road where the Tugu used to be. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, and apart from the National Monument of Tugu Negara, there are also other monuments in the city that are maybe not as popular, but perhaps uh, equally impactful or monumental as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we can look at, yeah, there are these huge cemeteries, right? You have the Japanese cemetery, you have the, and this is all in the, off of Sungai Besi, Jan Sungai Besi, off of Jalan Lok Yu, you know, toward the Chiras area, off of Jalan Istana, huge Chinese cemeteries, which have in different parts, having different, when you say a Chinese cemetery, actually, you would say that, um, you know, people who came and who were buried there came from different parts of China. But you have these leaders of the Chinese community who have their tombs there as well. You know, their graves are there. You know, people like uh, Yap Aloy, people like, gosh, it escapes me now. But, you know, people who were important, like Capitan China of the area, they, their graves are there, alongside everybody else who were from their communities, who were buried there. You know, so you had huge plots of land uh, where you bury your grave, your you you because I think in most cultures there are rituals that have to do with this passage, passage the passage of life from this world into the next, and graves are the markers that indicate you know this person lived and had some contribution made some contribution to its community, their society, their community. Um, so whether they were older, whether they were significant, whether they were um, you know, a shopkeeper or they were a Capitan China, they would be buried there. And um, so you have this and you have the Christian cemeteries, uh, you have the Catholic cemetery, you have... So representing different religious faiths, representing different communities who came from different areas... So the Kwandung Cemetery, for example, which is, you know, huge, the Kwandung Cemetery, uh, which is near Dewan Bahasa. Um, and uh, behind Istana Negara, you know, this is a huge piece of land with lots and lots of graves. And if one was to actually go and plot and look for, it would take a lot of work, okay? And, you know, it would be very difficult to read who's buried there and what. They, but there are indications that, you know, there was a large population of, of um, Chinese who lived in and around that area who then are buried there, you know. Like I said, similarly with the Ampang Road Muslim Cemetery, it's that way. But you have most people, I don't know how many people know about this, but look, you, you know, who's well celebrated in KL as one of the Taukes of, you know, KL, 
his grave, his tomb is in the middle of Mindef, the Mindef uh, development off of Jalan Jelating, near Wangsa Maju there. And it was part of the Hosenden estate. The Hosenden estate was one of Lok Yu's estates, rubber estates. And he allocated a piece of land within it uh, for his grave, or you know, his tomb. And in that piece of land, a few acres, surrounded by army housing, is this piece of land, this small parcel of land. Um, and on it, you might even have seen photos of this, you know, larger-than-life statue, bronze statue of Lok Yu, overlooking, looking out from that hill over his estate, looking out, outward, at, in a sense, I suppose, you know, um, commanding his kingdom, lah, or his empire of, his commercial empire, you know, his estates, the land that he owned. And so you have his tomb there, you have one of his wives, the tomb of one of his wives, and his son, um, Alan Lok. And down the hill a little bit is the grave of uh, Lok Wan Tho, which is supposed, purported to have been buried there, and he died. I, again, Lok Wan Tho was very well known, you know, for his role in the establishment of the cafe uh, empire, the cafe cinemas. And he died in airplane uh, crash in the 1960s. And his uh, grave is there, quite almost modest, not even properly marked. Uh, but it's there. It's, um, it's believed to have been the urn, you know, with the ashes uh, for, for Lokwanto uh, is buried there. Lokwanto and his wife um, are buried there. But whether it is or not, whether it's just a chirito, whether it is you know, that is not something that we need to speculate on. But this little plot of land is actually a monument to a particular person, a personality, you know, uh, in KL, who was extremely important in the early 1900s for, you know, late 1800s to the early 1900s, who invested in KL and the development of KL. So I think that's kind of like, you know, and, and so you have these family monuments, for example, and, and, and this is one site that is actually particularly, to me, interesting because it tells you something about the man and his aspirations and what he wanted and how he saw himself and how he, you know, wanted to see his, his legacy live on. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and in this episode, our resident heritage conservation expert, Elizabeth Cardosa, shared her thoughts on cemeteries and monuments that are present in our capital. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.